Welcome to Inside the Tornado, a podcast that highlights what's happening in the whirlwind of King University athletics. I'm your host, Chris Mangrum. This podcast will take a deeper look at King Tornado athletic teams by visiting with student athletes, coaches, staff, alumni, and more. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Today's guest on the Inside the Tornado podcast is Sarah Hildebrandt two-time national champion wrestler at King University and most recently a bronze medal winner at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. We are so glad to uh, have you on the show today. First, let me say uh, how honored I am to be speaking with you uh, and I just wanted to congratulate you on all that's going on and all that you've accomplished here uh, this year. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so cool talking back with my King people. (laughs) Well, we're certainly glad to have you. And I know that many of our listeners are going to be tuning in, especially for this episode. Uh, This is only our second episode. We kicked off a couple weeks ago by interviewing David Hicks and your guest number two. So let's uh, go. Let's see if David's listening to this. I've got to say, I think we'll probably have more listeners on this one than on the first (laughs) one. So we'll see how that goes. Um, All right. So as we get started, um, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Of course, we see you on uh, on on TV and watch your accomplishments at the Olympics. But tell us a little bit more about Sarah, the person uh, and not just Sarah, the wrestler. Yeah, I love that question. I love that we're starting there. Um, Yeah, no, I'm actually pretty just relaxed person I feel like most of my time is spent working out so if I'm not working out I want to be chilling so I read a lot of fantasy and sci-fi books I like to draw I have a cat that I'm obsessed with um so you know just pretty low-key things around the house if if I'm not too close to a competition I like to bake I have a big sweet tooth um so just something that's not gonna make me super tired because I feel like that's my job is just being worn out (laughs) yeah well tell us what is it that you what is it that you like to bake oh gosh anything sweet I love like my favorite thing to bake I would say although it's not my favorite thing to eat I like to bake cakes because I like to like decorate and do that whole part with it um but and they're yummy but I gosh bread is awesome Mm, cheesecakes anything sweet <laughs> cinnamon rolls <laughs> so how does uh how does that sweet tooth uh go when uh when you're getting ready to do a competition what do you do about that oh I cry no <laughs> I'm just kidding no you know it's uh obviously being in tune with what I'm eating and, and I, I follow a pretty disciplined eating plan when I'm on my descent down to weight. So once I get going with that, it's, you know, relatively smooth sailing. And uh, obviously I miss my sweet foods, but um, it is the first thing that I'm quick to get back to when I'm out of competition. So (laughs) you can say these last few weeks have been filled with a lot of sweets. (laughs) Uh, You definitely deserve that. Uh, Well, let's start back at the very beginning here. You know, many kids dream of of representing their country in the Olympics and you got to fulfill that dream. So when exactly did that dream begin for you uh, as a child? And at what point was it that it clicked for you that you said, this might actually be a reality? 
Right. Yeah. It's actually funny. I, I've journaled my whole life. So really young, like when I didn't even know what, like probably could barely write. So I have journals of me saying that I want to be an Olympic athlete, um, before I even played sports. (laughs) So I guess that it was just always in my mind. You know, I think it was one of those things that I saw and it looked cool and I just hadn't like started playing sports or anything yet. You know, uh, like when a kid says they want to be president and they're not really Mm -hmm. involved in any of that. (laughs) It's like, so I think it was something similar to that. Um, then once I got into wrestling, I was like, oh, wow, I could, you know, this could be real. I could go to the Olympics like this. And that was kind of when the dream took on a much more realistic feel, but it wasn't until I would say 2000 into 2017, 2018. So as recently as that, where I was like, oh no, you can go to this, you can win this. And by then I had already competed in two Olympic trials. Um, but that real, real firm belief is still relatively new. So let's talk about your journey to King University here. Um, you grew up in Indiana. So tell us how you ended up here in Bristol, Tennessee. Good old Bristol, Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was actually born in Memphis. Okay. No, but uh, that's not why I came back to Tennessee. I, uh, yeah, I mean, Tennessee or King has an amazing women's program. I was looking to bring my wrestling to the next level. And I, I knew I wanted to wrestle in college and, and still have that college experience, you know, not just, not just focus on the Olympics right out of high school. Um, and it was really cool. You know, I, I came and visited. I thought Jason Mormon was an amazing guy, awesome coach. Um, I knew I wanted to be a part of his program, but beyond that, like, you know, the girls took me to do fun things. We went to an intramural kickball game, I think. And I remember watching it being like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Like I could see myself going to the school, enjoying myself outside of just wrestling. And that was important to me. Um, and I'll have you know that I did end up going to school there and kicking butt on the intramural team. So I'd let's say go. So. I'd say so. <laughs> no, but then, yeah, so that's kind of what brought me there. And um, I was so lucky too, because the women that were a part of that program while I was there and, and obviously now and before, but it's just, it was such a special group of women. So, and they really, really, I would not be where I am as a wrestler or woman today without them. Your list of, uh, of accomplishments, both at King and, and past King, it's, it's super impressive. Um, and obviously you added to that this summer at the Olympic Games. Um, but I did want to ask you outside of, of your medal experience this summer, what accomplishment means the most to you at this point? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, you know, there's been a lot because it's just been such an up and down career. Um, I would say like one of my first or my first world medal in 2018 was really big for me. Um, like I said, that was about the time where I really was like, I could go to go to the Olympics, but also just not even a year before that I had dislocated my elbow, tore everything in my elbow. Um, and so to come back from like such a traumatic injury where a lot of people didn't think I'd even step on the mat again to, you know, becoming second in the world. That was a huge thing for me. And and it really represented a lot of, you know, like resilience and coming back from all of that. So that was, that was really special for me. And uh, it was kind of the first time I really remember being like very outwardly emotional on the wrestling Mm -hmm. mat afterwards. 
Sure. Well, you have certainly put in uh, all the work and, and done everything that needed to be done to get to where you are. But um, we know that there's people behind the scenes in, our, in all of our lives that push us on and encourage us. Who are some of those people in your life that have really motivated you and inspired you to keep going, even when, you know, coming back from the injury and in times where you've uh, felt like you've been facing big obstacles? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many people. So how much time we got? No. Okay. Um, well. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, um, I have such an amazing system around me and that 100% is why I'm successful. Like I, there's zero doubt in my mind that like the people I'm around and who are pouring themselves into my, my dream, like it's just 100% the reason I did well at the games and, and in wrestling really. Um, but, you know, my family is super important to me. I'm super close with them. Wrestling is very, very important to them as well. They've all wrestled. Um, you know, my boyfriend, he was somebody I leaned on tremendously through getting ready for something like the Olympics. It's incredibly emotional and stressful. And um, he himself is was on the men's gymnastics team working to try and make a team. So he had, you know, we're going through similar things and mm -hmm. for him to be able to balance that while also kind of be like basically holding my hand and wiping my tears every day. That was huge as well. So, um, my coaching staff just, I, it's just so like the things I feel like they put up with from me, I, you know, I felt like I was just like a volcano waiting to erupt some days. They didn't know what Sarah they were going to get. And so to be able to navigate this insanely emotional human being while also pushing me to, you know, be my best come competition day, like, I just have the best coaches. There's no doubt about that. So it's been such a group effort and there's been a lot, a lot of, you know, hard moments and tears and just the people who are around me and like making me laugh, picking me up when I'm down. Like, uh, that was everything. So let's talk about your journey to the Olympics for a minute. Um, now I've done some research here. You correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, it looks like you qualified for the Olympics back in March of 2020. Um, now March of 2020, that <laughs> was not a great month for, uh, for the world. Um, so it looks like about 10 days after you qualified for the Olympics, the announcement was made that the Olympics were postponed until 2021. Madness. So is that about <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. So I had qualified my weight class to the Olympics. So I myself was not on the team, but we knew for certain at that time that my weight class would be going to the Olympics. Okay. Um, and that guaranteed me a spot in the finals of our Olympic trials. Okay. Um, which would then happen still now a year later after that. Yeah. So it was, yes, madness. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you get to a place there, um, you get to a place where you, have an opportunity to qualify for the Olympics. And then 10 days after that, the Olympics are postponed. I mean, yeah. Tell me like, tell me what's going through your mind uh, during that time. That was an outrageous competition because what I was trying to do was, like I said, if I didn't win um, that tournament, then we would be not sending somebody to the Olympics at that weight. Like we needed to qualify my weight class to the Olympic games. Mm -hmm. While that was happening, chaos was going on around us i mean like they had just canceled all the nca sporting so everything was canceled mm -hmm. it felt like it was like the last sporting event <laughs> of yeah. the year and you know i got told the day before i competed that they had just canceled the olympic trials and i'm like what is going on at that point i'm thinking it's just going to be 
maybe a month, maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. like it's whatever. So just to try and win that competition with all that going on, that was insane. And then for it to just dramatically and very quickly go downhill from that, um, it was terrifying, especially when we weren't sure if it was going to be completely canceled or if it was going to be postponed. Mm-hmm. Like that time frame where we didn't know is so it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, just the idea that I, you know, I knew I was going. I was very confident that I was going to be the person representing us, and so. Mm-hmm you know, it just felt so scary that it could have just been all taken away. Like if they would have canceled sure. it, that would have been it. And then yeah. I see you again in four years. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was, that was terrifying. Once we got the postponement notification, it definitely felt like a sigh of relief weirdly, even though it was an awful time, but more so it was just like, okay, we have time. Let's just get back to work now work with this extra year. What can we do with it? Type of thing. Yeah. Well, that's actually what I was going to ask you next. You know, I think, you know, you, you're probably on a very strict training uh, schedule. And then now what is, what's going to be coming up in a few months with the Olympics is now a year away. So from a training perspective, how much did that change how you continued to train until the year later when you actually got to participate? Yeah, I won't lie. I feel like I went a little insane in quarantine. Um, (laughs) I, uh, you know, retrospectively, I probably should have, and you know, I did calm down a bit. It's just, I actually ended up getting a wrestling mat, putting it in my garage. I kidnapped my sister, forced her to live with me so I could wrestle with somebody every day. And I mean, I was just, there wasn't really anything to do. So I was just training at home, whatever that looked like. I, I was just running around my neighborhood. I was <laughs> doing silly workouts all the time and then wrestling every day. I think in my mind, I was so freaked out that I wasn't doing enough, you mm-hmm. know, that this isn't how I normally train. So I need to do way more. I didn't have sure. access to regular things. So I need to supplement that with something even crazier. And so I kind of just crazy. <laughs> um <laughs> But it was okay. It was good. I felt like I actually came out of it better, uh, if not a little bit tired. (laughs) But yeah, I I found a way. And I think at the end of the day, that just taught me like how adaptable I actually can be. Um, Understanding that I can still train for the biggest tournament in the whole world, literally in my backyard. Sure. Absolutely. And that takes that, like you said, it shows uh, an ability to adapt and be flexible and do what needed to be done. And, and you definitely showed out when you got there. So all it's hard <laughs> to believe all that worked for you. I'd say your right. sister, I'd say your sister is feeling responsible for some of your success then. Oh, a hundred percent. I was just about to say, shout out to little sis. She yeah. is the bomb because gosh she's just too good nobody wants to sign up for that I'll tell you that much (laughs) wrestle some crazy person in a garage every day (laughs) so let's talk about Tokyo for a minute you know um, many of us here in Bristol and and across the country were staying up late and waking up early I know I was setting some alarms to uh to get up and watch you wrestle early in the morning and um we just have to know, you know, for the rest of us that have never competed in the Olympics or really have no shot at this point, um, <laughs> tell us, you know, what is going through your mind when, you know, obviously you qualified for the Olympics, very emotional, it gets postponed, you finally make it over there, and then you get to step out on the mat for the first time. What is going through your mind representing the United States <laughs> stepping on the mat? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I really, really felt so much love from Bristol and King and, um, it was just overwhelming in the best way possible that it actually reconnected me with so many people I haven't spoke to in years. And I'm really grateful for that. Just want to get that out yeah. there, but, um, gosh, yeah. What does go through your mind? It's weird. I felt like I was very, very disciplined in my approach to the Olympics in terms of not getting too mm. like wrapped up in what the event actually was. Right. I worked very deliberately to like, I didn't want it to be some big spectacle. Like, and I yeah. knew I'm like, it could be a big spectacle when I'm done, but when I'm there, I want it to be very anticlimactic, like very like, Oh, that was it. Like step off the mat and be like, this is the Olympics, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that was, I did make a very serious effort at that. Now, when you're standing in a tunnel and those Olympic songs are going off and there's cameras everywhere, it's a whole new game for sure. But I think I helped kind of balance out all of that um, and just kind of bring myself to the present moment, focus on what I want to focus on. I feel my best on a wrestling mat and I also feel my most present on the wrestling mat. And I think as soon as I got there that it really just transported me to where I feel most comfortable. But I mean, yeah, you, you have your headphones on and this moment you've envisioned your whole life. It's, you know, I couldn't help but crack a smile before I went out there, but I will say I felt very tunnel vision. It really didn't hit me until I like right after my bronze medal match. And then it was like, holy cow. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what, uh, that's where I was going next. You know, I think, and when we watched you win that bronze medal, uh, we saw the emotion that came across your face and just how excited you were. Um, so walk me through that. You, you know, you fought through some adversity there to get to that bronze medal match and to win it and to realize that you were going to take home an Olympic medal. Uh, walk me through that moment when you hear that whistle blow. I mean, what's going through your mind at that point? Yeah. Like you said, a lot of adversity. I had dropped my semis match in a really like worst scenario kind of way. So I was like heartbroken. Mm -hmm. Um, so the fact that I even stepped on the mat that day was like mind blowing to me. Um, you know, I hadn't slept even one minute, like mm -hmm. I'd been up for over 36 hours. Um, so I was really, really, you know, it was hard. It was hard to go out there. It was scary. So, you know, when I won and it, it was just so much emotion of like, wow, we fought through this and we fought through this pandemic and holy cow, so many people have poured so much in me to get me here. And like, look, like, I can't wait to show them this, like this, we did this, you know what I mean? Like, that's how it felt. Um, you know, I just felt like it was such a representation of years and years worth of battling a lot of stuff. Um, and I just felt like so, so grateful. And, and to hear my teammates, I could hear them in the stands, like chanting USA, USA. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it's just so surreal. Like it, emotional, like beyond words, you know, I instantly started crying, yeah. Um, because there was, there was so many elements to it and, um, it's still something, you know, just looking back on, I, I do get very emotional about and it, yeah. I know it's very special. And, and again, it represented a lot of resiliency from my end and, and just a lot of efforts from so many people. So those are all very important things to me and I'm super grateful for them. Yeah. So as you were talking, it just hit me and I have to ask this. So when you bring home a bronze medal, where do you put it? 
<laughs> oh gosh, I know, right? Where do you put it? So mine, I'm a big reader, like I said, and my top book, I have bookshelf and the bookshelf on the top is like reserved for the best books of all time. Mm-hmm. So I have it kind of like rolled up sitting on top of there. <laughs> there you go. At least it's on the top of the bookshelf. I don't know what to do with it. It's such a... <laughs> right. Occasionally, I'll like be going to get dressed in the morning and I'll look over there and be like, oh, I haven't looked at you in a while. And I'll look <laughs> at it and I'll be like, ah, cool. <laughs> it is so weird, right? What do I... Oh, goodness. But yeah, it's it's such an emotional thing that sometimes even... It's not necessarily something I want to see all of the time. And sure. I think within due time, I will feel more positive emotions about it than negative ones. But mm-hmm. like I said, um, you know, losing the semifinals, especially the way I did was very, very hard for me. Yeah. And so there are still elements of the Olympics that are, I'm still navigating and trying to work through. And so sometimes, you know, obviously seeing something like the medal, especially is just like, uh, can be kind of jarring and yeah. not the best way. <laughs> sure. I understand. When you're a competitor, it's hard to turn that off. I mean, even though you've accomplished so much, that's that's what a competitor does is continue to want to, to get to the very top. So exactly. Um, so here's kind of a fun question for you. So I'm sure, you know, you mentioned all the support you were getting here in Bristol and I'm sure in your hometown and from people back here in America. Um, so when you when you finally won the medal and you were just destroying people, (laughs) what it is at the Olympics, (laughs) dominating people. Um, I'm sure your phone was just blowing up with people just checking in on you and saying, keep going, keep going. Was there anybody that reached out to you in any way, whether it be like on your phone or social media or whatever, uh, or in person even that like congratulated you that just kind of shocked you? Like you were surprised. Hmm. There's definitely like, you know, a lot of UFC fighters, like, big names in there anybody in the sports world who would say something that was like cool to me right like mm-hmm. oh my goodness um ex-boyfriends that was weird <laughs> <laughs> you know you like don't ever plan on that you're like oh hey wow oh, thanks man my gosh. <laughs> uh but no it was so many just so many people I just I never I just could never have imagined all the love and support like it it's so cool I'm still going through messages like yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get through them um that but it's unreal and like I said earlier it's honestly been one of my favorite parts about literally the whole Olympic mm-hmm. experience is like I'm reconnected with kids I went to college with kids I went to high school with kids I went to middle school with yeah you know like I haven't talked to in years and to just like it's so cool that one, they were following and supporting me, but you know, yeah. I'm so happy they reached out and it just elicited some conversations that, you know, probably never would have happened otherwise. And it's, it's just been cool to see where everybody's at, what they're up to. Um, and I think that's a, you know, that's kind of like the Olympic spirit is kind of just bringing people together like that. Sure. I know right now you're taking a, a much needed break. You mentioned all the sweets that you're getting to enjoy now. Um, but this is what we, this is what we need to know. What comes next for Sarah Hildebrandt? What, uh, what, what is coming up over the next couple of years? Are you continuing this chase for gold? What's, what's, a, what's next for you? A big question. So actually, about a week ago, my sweet crusade had to come to a swift end. 
unfortunately, because <laughs> we have world championships in October, which I have uh, committed to. Yeah. Um, because of my medal at the Olympics, it automatically put me on the world team. Um, so I figured like it's an amazing opportunity. Um, I truly think I'm the best wrestler in the world. It's an yeah. opportunity to prove that. So I will be on the competition mat beginning of October. Um, and then I will take my extended sweets break um, for the rest of 2021 and kind of reevaluate my plans moving forward. Um, to be honest, I feel really tired. Um, yeah. So I don't feel super comfortable making any big decisions right sure. now regarding my career. But yeah. I think I need to just freshen up my bod, step away from wrestling for a little bit of, and, you know, just be, be Sarah. Um, mm -hmm. And I, if my love for wrestling calls me back, that's 100% something I want to chase. Um, I have unfinished business at the Olympics. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love that. I would love that opportunity again to represent my country, to be out there and, and take home gold. So I don't think it's too far off to say that um, Paris 2024 is in my mind. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what we like to hear. Um, yeah. But of course, we, we want to say for, I'll speak on behalf of everybody at King and just everybody that is a fan. We, no matter what comes next for you, we are proud of you for what you've accomplished. And no matter what comes next, uh, we'll be watching and we'll be there cheering you on. So uh, we're just, we're thankful to be able to support you in this, in this dream and, and watch you go. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. So, nah. all right. Um, that's all my list of questions uh, for today. I, I do want to give you an opportunity um, to just, is there anything that you want to say to um, our listeners here as, as we close up today? Yes, I want to thank King University, Bristol, Tennessee. I mean, just for everything, obviously for, you know, supporting and cheering me on through the Olympics, but more so, you know, I went, I went to school there and I really freaking grew up there, <laughs> like mm -hmm. came in as a real scrawny kid. And I feel like I left a much stronger, resilient woman and the things and that I was taught there and the amazing people I've met there um, continue to have an impact on me today and have brought me to where I am so far. And I think they'll continue to carry me on to a lot of other endeavors. And I'm just freaking grateful for that. I'm grateful for my time there. I am going to be back in October. So yeah. Um, I will be there October, I think, 14th, 15th, and 16th. So I don't know if there's stuff going around campus that day, and I'm just going to sure. pop in and yeah. party crash. But um, regardless, I know there's a lot of familiar faces around. So uh, Great. hopefully I can see a few familiar faces and you know give people some much-deserved hugs because um, I'm just really grateful for all of that. So seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, it's just, I'm so glad that my journey has gone through King University. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I certainly look forward to meeting you when you come in, and uh, I'm sure there'll be many others. Uh, I, was it, um, did I see that you had a parade thrown for you somewhere? Oh my gosh, yes. My hometown, they threw this amazing parade. It was absurd. Like, wow. <laughs> That's what I'm just saying. Like, the support I could never have imagined and it's just it's so freaking cool like yeah so I went home and they threw this amazing parade and we ate ice cream and signed autographs and took pictures it was amazing time well um with that said 
I don't, I don't have any of the decision-making power, but it's not every day that a, uh, a med, an Olympic medalist comes to campus. So, uh, <laughs> there may need, there may need to be some special plans made for, uh, for when you're here. So I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll pass that along and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. If um, anything, uh, like I said, love sweets, <laughs> blackbird donuts right there. I'm, I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to blackbird bakery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining uh, the podcast today. This has been such fun uh, getting to talk with you about your journey. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners for, uh, for checking out the podcast today with Sarah Hildebrandt, bronze medal winner at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. This podcast will be dropping on Monday, September 13th. We're going to try to get back on schedule here um, for the following Mondays. We missed Labor Day last week, but uh, we have more content coming forward. So stay tuned and watch for a new podcast to drop every Monday morning. That's going to do it for this podcast. Thank you again so much to our guest, Sarah Hildebrandt, and we will see you next time.